Hello and welcome to ChamberCast, the Billings Chamber of Commerce's podcast, brought to you by Payne West Insurance. I'm your host, Jack Genoway. Billings is taking steps to address the issues we are all seeing with mental health and substance abuse issues that are impacting public safety. Today, we are going to talk about a really substantive resource that is being added on that front, the Mobile Crisis Unit. My guests today are Coralie Schmitz, the Chief Operations Officer at the Rimrock Foundation. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And Jason Banfield, Assistant Chief of EMS at the Billings Fire Department. Thank you both for joining me today. Morning. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah. So before we go get into the Mobile Crisis Unit, let's just start by giving our listeners an introduction to each of your organizations, because a lot of people might not know what you do at Rimrock Foundation, for example, and that'll give you an opportunity to talk about what was already being done in the community. So Coralie, what is Rimrock Foundation? Absolutely. Thank you. Rimrock Foundation is the largest uh, drug and alcohol and mental health center in the tri-state area. We serve clients at all levels of care, which means uh, medical detox, inpatient services, residential day treatment, which is five days a week, intensive outpatient, which is four days a week, uh, and then what we call level one, which is individual counseling for substance use and mental health. We have medication-assisted therapy for opiate use disorder. And then we try to be involved as much as possible in the community with partnerships with our homeless outreach team, with Department of Child and Family Services, anywhere that needs assistance, working with mental health and substance use, Rimrock tries to be involved. Sure. I think a lot of people, uh, you know, imagine that those services are something that's provided by, you know, hospitals or local government or something like that. But you're a nonprofit, correct? We are a private nonprofit. We do, I mean, Billings is a small community, large community, but small community. And so we do partner and work very well and collaborate with our local hospitals when it's needed and and utilize each other's services uh, quite well. But yes, we are a standalone nonprofit. Okay. And so, uh, Jason, I think a lot of people have an idea of what the fire department is, but it's not just putting out fires. So what is the fire department's involvement? No, it's... Our world's really changing. You know, the fire service has been changing over about the past 30 years, really. Uh, medicine's becoming super important. It's just really becoming service. And we're an all-hazards fire department. We do everything from high-angle rescue to, to hazmat response and to EMS care. And what you're starting to see is now you're starting to see the behavioral health issues kind of push over into emergency response. That's not just with us, but that's also with the police department and including the hospitals and dispatch. And we're all looking for solutions right now. Yeah, that's important to this conversation. The fire department is also in charge of the 911 center, correct? Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that is going to feed into the mobile crisis unit in, you know, dispatch. Like uh, 911 is going to be able to dispatch the mobile crisis unit, correct? That's correct. Uh, Most of those calls are going to generate through there. Uh, As the state moves forward, we know that the 988 number is going to be... uh, uh, used more readily uh, and to get access. It's just like using 911. And, and hopefully there's some uh, support in that to move us forward to have actually someone in dispatch to help uh, separate some of these calls out. Okay. So let's go ahead and get into the meat and potatoes of the conversation. What is the mobile crisis unit? So the mobile crisis unit was kind of established through uh, a study, the CPSM study. Billings as a community reached out uh, and did an evaluation of uh, what we're spending our money on. And and what services can we provide and make our community better? So the first thing uh, that they discovered was we have a lot of high use people and patients in our system. And they did a study. Basically, we had 90 uh, patients that were using about $10 million worth of services. 
uh, all the way from EMS to PD, all the way through the hospital systems and post-care. So we knew that uh, that's not efficient. And so uh, getting people to the right resources in their time of need uh, is really coming down uh, to this. And there's been a couple different ways and models that they've looked at. I know Coralie and I uh, have looked at other models, you know, through Texas and Washington and those. And, and we think we've come up with the best way that, uh, to service our community. Do you have anything you'd like to add? Yeah. So the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, otherwise known as SAMHSA, provides guiding principles for crisis continuum is what they call it. And so mobile crisis response is a part of this crisis continuum. And you'll see their billings is one of the last large uh, communities in Montana to get this started. Uh, Missoula and Bozeman have both had quite a bit of success in their mobile response uh, teams. Wait, is that what your medical one is called? Yeah, we have. So a, I can't so, call it that. Mobile and, crisis unit. And, and that's okay. We, we, we call it the cruise, the crisis response unit, because we do have some medical response teams that are out there now that the CPSM is recognizing. Uh, we don't want to confuse that with that services. Those are having specific medical calls and uh, as those pressures are coming into the fire mm -hmm. service and EMS. But this is to help just with those people in crisis. So the differences between the, the medical one and the behavioral health team is that our team consists of a mental health provider and an EMT. So they will go out and uh, assess the situation uh, after it's been secured by the police department. And then they can provide in-home crisis response services in order to ideally decrease the utilization of the psychiatric unit of the hospitals, emergency departments, and community crisis center. And so hopefully the, the individuals can stay in their homes and receive that de-escalated service. And then there's case management that will happen within 24 hours of that in order to connect them with a mental health provider, medical services, whatever services they need. Okay. And yeah, I want to get into the distinction between the mobile crisis unit and the mobile response units a little bit because, so the, you mentioned the CPSM study a couple of times, and that was really used to figure out what we needed in the 2021 public safety mill levy. And so the, the mobile response units with the fire department are, again, used for those medical emergencies or anything else where you don't necessarily need a full fire truck. Right. Correct. And then uh, those were totally funded by the public safety mill levy. And then the, the mobile response, mobile crisis unit, see, I'm already getting them mixed up. The mobile crisis unit that we're talking about today is supported in part by the public safety mill levy or entirely? It's supported. I believe um, most of it is, and I'd have to do a little more research, but most of it is coming from the pass through on the marijuana tax money that's okay. coming in. They've allocated about $250,000 to start this program and to get it up and running for this year. And so that's, that, that's our goal this year is to, you know, get this thing up and running before, before May for sure. So I'm just trying to get a, get a clear picture of the mobile crisis unit in my head. This is like, a, like an ambulance type of situation that can go out and respond to certain types of 911 calls. Or what, what does this actually look like once it hits the street? So uh, we looked at different vehicles to, uh, to push out to have that response. And, and we decided that, you know, to keep this from escalating our situation is to keep it as, as low vis as possible, but still keep the members inside it safe. And so we're looking at basically it's a Ford Explorer. We've uh, acquired some grant money to support the vehicle purchase. And we're going to move that way. Uh, it's just going to be a, a white vehicle with white lights. 
we know that typically sometimes even when the fire department arrives or paramedics arrive uh, or police arrive, we tend to just escalate the situation by being in uniform. Mm-hmm. So we we want to create a comfortable environment in this process so that uh, people can be open and honest and de-escalate that uh, situation as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And dispatch is able to identify. So we've been working on this project for about 18 months now. And through that time, we've had lots of meetings on how do we identify the clients? What are the the best individuals to receive this service? And we've we've talked a lot with Bozeman and Missoula in order to get their feedback. And our dispatch is able to isolate the type of clients that would benefit the most. So the ones that aren't in a medical emergency, aren't in a dangerous situation where they're putting at risk the the individuals coming to help them or themselves. And so we can de-escalate those. So they've identified what type of clients will be the most likely to benefit. Okay. Did you say earlier that, you know, this would always arrive after police have secured a situation, something like that? So this is always going to be working in coordination with other departments? Well, I wouldn't say always. Okay. Because the model that SAMHSA put out and that both Missoula and Bozeman have implemented does not always go with the first responder. They have developed their own program in which the counselor and the EMT can arrive on their own. Okay. We are going to start slow. And so mm-hmm. our initial idea is that the, the first responders would go clear the scene, ensure its safety, and then the behavioral health team would arrive. We hope that over time, we will also have the same sense of security and the same processes that our, our counterparts do. Uh, but we are going to start with safety first in mind. Makes sense. What types of calls is this unit going to be responding to? We know that um, we have a large transient population downtown and getting them into, you know, putting them in the right direction is going to be important. Also, in the coding piece, when you were just talking about dispatch, there's a specific number that we move for psychiatric care. So, and then through algorithm decision making, uh, we can point towards that. So it'll be some suicides and and overdose calls and things like that. If, If they're clear enough and be can clear the medical portion of that call, then we can move on, of course, to the psychiatric care. And that's why we're teaming up with Rimrock and making sure that we have a behavioral health person there with us. What is this unit going to be doing in between calls? Is there going to be any patrol aspect of it or anything like that? Uh, yeah, we, we, we've decided we're going to use them at a, at a high use at first. Uh, which will probably be like at 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., noon to midnight, 2 to 2. We don't know exactly yet. We're looking at that call volume through mm-hmm. dispatch, but we want to provide this 24 hours. That is our goal. It's super important. And they're going to be out and available in the community driving around. So you will see this vehicle. And so currently we have a homeless outreach team who is really isolated to downtown billings. Okay. And so we have peer supporters and a case manager who interacts with the transient population tries to connect them with healthcare or mental health services, housing, things like that. Because they're isolated to downtown Billings, they have been trying to branch out because the more, the more attention we give to one area, people disperse. And so the, they'd like to interact in the Heights. And we feel like this team, in, if there is downtime identified, would love to be out in the Heights on the West End, different areas of Billings that our current hot team, the homeless outreach team, can't access. Okay. 
So I think a lot of people wonder, you know, I, I think a lot of people see a situation on the street and wonder how they can act constructively in that situation. So if, if somebody sees, if I see somebody out on the street who's clearly, you know, experiencing homelessness or maybe, you know, looks like they might be struggling with substance abuse, how should I, as an average citizen, handle that situation? Well, right now, the the only way is until we get the 988 up and running is to call 911. And that filtering process will come through there. And then as soon as we have this, uh, the behavioral health unit up and running, we want to uh, have that response to that. Now, you as a, a community responder, let's, that's what people are becoming now mm-hmm. it, um, in those situations. We want you to be safe while you, while you approach these people, but also, you know, be caring enough to understand that they're in this situation a lot of the times not by their own means, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they've had a lot of things happen in their lives and, and they're using other means to cover up uh, the mental health issues that are coming. So be safe, but be caring enough and approach those and see if you can, as a community responder, steer them towards us. Is it appropriate to call 911 or is the non-emergency line maybe more appropriate? The, the non-emergency line is more appropriate. If you don't see, you know, any obvious distress in, in, in the person as far as medically, then obviously the, the correct one is the non-emergency sure. line. Right. And as Chief Banfield said, if, once you make that phone call, then the homeless out, outreach team is also dispatched. They partner with the downtown Billings Association police officers. Mm-hmm. And so they will go out with them. And that's kind of their their jam. They love that kind of stuff. They love the interaction. They have relationships with the the homeless individuals out on the downtown area and can usually de-escalate a situation if they're in a doorway or things like that pretty quickly. But part of what I'm wondering too is that, you know, it's it's not a crime to be homeless and and during the warmer months it's, you know, they might not be in any immediate danger of physical harm or anything like that. So, how do you distinguish between those situations where you should make a call and other situations where, you know, that's just an unfortunate fact of life right now. That's, that's really difficult. Each, each person, time of year, all that is, it will steer you down the right direction. Like right now, you know, we know that we have homelessness and, and there's no housing to support that. And so there's no place to take them. And so they're cold and hypothermia sets in on these patients. And, and that's not okay. If you have a high blood alcohol, we know this, uh, in the patient care areas uh, for for the homelessness. So it's really, it'll be, you know, to use some critical thinking skills and to make sure that, you know, if you think they're safe or not safe. Right. And if they aren't causing harm or disturbances, what our homeless outreach team is, they just go and have a conversation with them. And oftentimes they will offer treatment over and over and over again. And eventually they say yes. But there are some days, especially in the summer, where that's exactly where the individual wants to be. Mm-hmm. And so all we do is create relationships so that if there is a situation that is escalated, we already have the, the rapport to be able to remove them from that situation without having to arrest them or without causing undue chaos. And sure. so I think that, because you're absolutely right, it isn't illegal. And some people, we have individuals that come into residential treatment who um, would prefer to go back out onto the streets. They're not interested in sober housing. They're not interested in in help getting into an apartment. This is the lifestyle they choose. And so it's us trying to help the typical billing citizen to also enjoy the downtown area without having that kind of um, interaction. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and also not everybody who is, is struggling with substance abuse and maybe ends up in an emergency situation right. related to substance abuse is also homeless. Right. You mentioned earlier that there's going to be a nine eight eight number uh, that people can call in the future. What what's going on with that, and when is that going to be rolling out? Nine eight eight has already started in Montana nationwide. I'm sure people have seen the the information on Facebook and different things, and so. Billings does not have a 988 dispatch right now. Currently, okay. we go through Great Falls. So if you call 988, the operator that answers is actually out of Great Falls, which a lot of communities are using Great Falls right now as we get our feet under us. And so, but that Great Falls employee that answers the phone has access to the resources and billing. So typically, people who would call that number won't know that they're calling someone in Great Falls. And so, which is ideal. I mean, that's what we want to be able to do with the, the workforce shortage is to find efficiencies where we can, and that's where we're at. Going forward, the plan is to have a 988 person stationed in our dispatch. And so that is a, a, a workflow that we're working through. And that number is specifically for these types of calls? It's designed for that, but my understanding of how that works is it can transfer between the two. So 911 can transfer to the 988, 988 mm. can transfer to 911 so that it's not a, oh, you got to call a different number type situation for the person in crisis. I see. And that's why we want it located in the dispatch center so that those guys can have those converse, sidebar conversations and support that system. Makes sense. The last question I wanted to ask before we wrap up is uh, the mobile crisis unit is, sounds like it's going to be a huge step in the right direction for our community. But what other resources do we need to deal with homelessness and substance abuse issues? There's a lot. That's one piece. I mean, getting access to them, transport back, uh, the continuation of care afterwards. And obviously, they're homeless. So we need homes and we need to figure out a way to support that system as we move forward. Because, you know, uh, mean 25, 30 below zero, we have uh, churches in our community that are trying to take these patients in right now and to support that. And that's not always safe either. We have, you know, we have some code enforcement issues there. We have some other things that we want to make sure that they're safe in those environments too. Um, you know, so just really the, the other pieces of the homelessness itself really need to be looked at here in the near future. And Substance Abuse Connect is a coalition of local partners and they work together to create a um, crisis continuum is the goal. And so there's three arms to that. There's the prevention task force, there's the treatment and diversion task force, and then there's um, what happens afterwards. And that's kind of where Jason's talking about, we have to be able to have the housing, we have to be able to have the stabilization units, we have to be able to have an opportunity for the, the individuals that we have interacted with on the treatment and diversion side to then what, so that we don't just continue this, this whole cycle. And housing is an issue that the Billings Chamber is really focused on right now. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about some of the stuff that we're doing on that. If you go to the Billings Chamber's website and go to our business advocacy page, we actually have a database that we put together on academic literature and studies and resources and books uh, about housing issues. And we know it's been empirically proven that when housing prices go up, when housing becomes more scarce, homelessness increases. You know, we've seen around the country when the housing prices get extremely high, you end up with more and more homeless people that actually have jobs. You know, they, they, are, they have a means of supporting themselves, but the housing is just too expensive for them to be able to afford it. 
So that's something that we're really trying to address uh, at the legislature and at the city council this year as well. Yeah, you're really starting to see that in some of our uh, kind of vacation communities, Bozeman, Kalispell, those areas where housing prices are just so high, you know, as people move into the state, it's causing some more issues for our, our local Montanans. Yeah. So I'm blindsiding you here a little bit. But uh, we have a tradition on our show where we uh, wrap up each episode with, uh, we'll transition from the heavy subject that we're talking about to some kind of fun, impromptu, kind of get to know you type questions. We call them the Rorschach questions. I'm going to hold up an, an ink blot in the form of a question and I'll ask for your first response. <laughs> oh, this will be great. <laughs> Uh, as this episode airs, I'm not entirely sure what our publishing date on this is going to be yet. As this episode airs, winter is wrapping up and we're heading into the spring season. What are you most looking forward to about the warmer months coming up? Hiking, 100%. Getting out and about in in the Bighorns and Wyoming and here in Paradise Valley area. Yeah, just getting out and enjoying the weather. I just like sunshine. <laughs> January is always cold, dark, and gray, and and uh, I really enjoy the sunshine in Montana and just being out in the warm weather. I can't wait for summer, just floating down a river and in an inner tube, kind of how I grew up, yeah. easy. Yeah. You're both really involved in the community. You have a really good idea of, of what's going on out there. What's something that you know is coming up in Billings that makes you really optimistic about our city? I think it's just the growth. We have a lot of uh, we have a lot of growth happening, and I think that's bringing in some good jobs for our community, and that's going to support all the other things. I, I, I think that's we're going to grow, and we're going to see a lot of growth here in the next five years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. The growth, and then the opportunities that brings for community connections. I, I love that Billings that we're doing everything we can to keep our baseball team. Little things like that bring spirit to a community that we can all get behind. Same thing that happened with the zoo when the zoo lost accreditation and all fought to bring that back. It just gave us pride and something to look forward to in our community. Yeah. Yeah. What's a restaurant recommendation? And maybe somebody's coming in from out of town and uh, they want to try something a little bit different than the usual fare. What's some, something you would recommend? I'm impartial to uh, uh, Enzo's and the rock shrimp there. I just, <laughs> that's my favorite. I could eat that hors d'oeuvre as a dinner and order two orders. <laughs> I would say 100% Tiny's. Tiny's, I love their pizza and Carbone's pizza yeah. for pizza people. All right. Last but not least, this is one that we ask for to all of our guests. How long have you been in Billings and what keeps you here? I've been in Billings. I moved here with my family I was born here, but then grew up in Wyoming, and my entire family went to Eastern Montana College or MSU Billings, and so I came here to go to college and in 1995, and I fell in love with the mission and vision of Rimrock Foundation, and so I started there right after college, and that's where I've been for 21 years, and I love it there. I moved here in 1988 to go to Eastern Montana College. <laughs> Uh, from Miles City, I've been here for, what is it now, probably 30 some odd years. And I've, I'm not leaving this community. It, it's perfect. I have access. You know, uh, we are the trailhead. You can yeah. go anywhere and have access to hiking, biking, all, all of those things. Still have some art downtown and some nice restaurants. And I just like the way Billings is, is growing. 
we we have every opportunity for anything that you want to uh, uh, be part of. And, and you're starting to see that uh, more and more. I love that answer. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. I'm, I think that this is, you know, this is one of the things that makes me optimistic about us going forward is because we are working on actually tackling the problems that we're facing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much to Coralie and Jason for joining us today. And thank you very much to Payne West for supporting this podcast. If you would like to suggest a topic or ask a question, please feel free to email us at podcast at billingschamber.com. If you like what you hear, please rate us on your preferred platform or recommend us to a friend. Don't forget to subscribe to Chambercast wherever you get your podcasts because there is something here for everyone.